Thank you. Father God, we just thank you for your word. It's, a, it, it's, it's life to us. It's that, that manna, that bread that feeds our spirit and our soul, and produces life within us. And so we just say thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being here this morning. Jesus said that you would lead us to all truth. And so, Holy One, we ask that you lead us to all truth. Lead us to all truth. Expose. We give you permission to expose if there be anything that is contrary to the Father, to the Son, to the Spirit, to the Word. Holy One, we say, expose it. We don't want it in our lives. We'll give you permission to do that today. Everyone who agrees said, Amen. Amen. We're going to continue this morning breaking the spirit of rebellion. Amen. Amen. When we rise up in any way, go contrary to the word of God, we're already in rebellion. And this is something we don't want because the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15, he says, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but you rebel against his commands, the hand of the Lord will be against you. None of us are like, yeah, I want to be in that camp. I want the hand of Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, to be against me. None of us want that. A little soccer. So... We, we, we don't want God, the most powerful being in the universe, to be against us, right? No, we want him to be for us. And many times as believers, we feel the Lord is for us. He is with us. Actually, I need one. That's funny. Um, and I see this a lot as a pastor that people, they, they, they feel like the Lord is with them because they're a believer, but yet... They're walking contrary to the Lord in areas of their life. And they're hoping that the Lord will just bless them anyways. They're hoping the Lord will bless them even though there's areas of their lives that are going completely contrary to the Lord. The throne that Satan sat on was a throne of rebellion. And if you're in rebellion in any area of your life, you're sitting on that throne. And you're like, yeah, Lord, bless me. Did the Lord bless Satan? No. He cast him down. And so we need to, 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 to know the word as Bradford was just reaching, uh, reading. It goes on to say in Ephesians 5, let us not, not, let us not be unaware, but let us, it goes on to talk about searching yourselves and being aware and, 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 and letting anything be exposed to, to, and he goes on to say, to walk in the light as children of the light. And so that's what we want. It's not to make any of us feel bad. It's that the light of the word of God may be, maybe cast upon us so that if in there be any area of our life that's contrary to him, it could be exposed so that all of our lives can come under the favor of God. Amen? So that's what we're trying to do um, uh, with this uh, message. Not trying to make us feel shame, but conviction, yes, so that we can produce even more life, right? That's the whole idea of being pruned, is that a tree that's pruned produces fresh fruit. Amen? And that the life can go to, to all the parts and produce even more fruit than before. And that any dead thing would be removed. 
you know, if any 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 people do that, you got plants or something, and you 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 isn't that? I just remember the first time doing that, realizing how amazing that is. I have this tree that just won't die, and um, I never water it; it just keeps living it's inside my house. I'm like, this is the best tree ever. Just. To, but every once in a while, I'll take care of it. I don't know how it lives, but it does. And I'll water it, and I'll cut off some of the ones that start. I have, I'll, I'll go a year without watering this thing, and it's green. It's like crazy. I'm like, I don't know what kind of plant this is. But, but it'll start to wither a little bit. And if I cut off the ones that are like that, and I water it a little bit, it'll just, it's like in four days, it's like there's a new, new shoot. And it's like, how did that even happen? I don't understand. It's a wonderful image for us. To allow the word of God to convict us, not to condemn us, but to convict us and then let us allow the, the, the Lord to, to, to prune us through repentance so that we can produce life. Amen? Um, we are too often adding our will and his will together. And we're not getting the outcome we want, but we keep doing it. Right? So anyone like smoothies? Anyone like smoothies? I like smoothies. I don't, I don't drink them very often. Um, but, you know, I remember the first time I had one. Someone's like, oh, you want? And I'm like, oh, okay. It looks pretty thick. You know, I'm like, okay. I never had one. So I'm like, okay. And it was like blueberries and strawberries or something. Just, just fruit and ice. That was it. My wife likes to do it milk. I grew up poor, I guess. I know, as I said, water. It's like fruit and ice. And <laughs> she's like, put milk. I was like, don't milk. So anyone else have hot cocoa just with water? That's how I did it growing up. And then I got, I got around some uppity up people and they were putting milk. I was like, wow, that, I just did water. <laughs> Anyways, the smoothie. And I remember drinking that smoothie and I was like, whoa, it's amazing. But what I see is people put a little bit of, like it's a smoothie of their life. They put a little bit of God's will and a little bit of their will. And they blend it together and they drink it and they get like an upset stomach. They're like, oh, this isn't good. My marriage or this or my business or this or my health, ah, all these issues. And we're like, oh, I don't know how, why this is happening. I can tell you why it's happening. Because the Lord has a way. And you're going contrary to a way Maybe there's areas in your life you choose to serve him and choose to go his way, but there's other areas you choose to just go your way. And you're hoping those things will work together and produce something good. No, 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 no. The Bible says when you give your life to him, you die in the waters of baptism. No longer do you live, but him through you. So we, we have to let go of the old life and let go of our will and say, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. It's my job, if you were cooking something and I saw you putting something in there that was going to make you sick, to say, hey, 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 hey. That, don't do that. Don't put that in there. That's going to make you sick. And you could say, I know what I'm doing. Don't. And get sick. That's fine. But at least I'm out of love going to warn you. And that's what the word of God is doing. It's calling out to you. And it's saying, hey, 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 that's not good. Don't do that. Don't mix that together. Don't mix this sin. No, no, no. Don't mix sin and righteousness. Don't do that. Remove that. Now, yeah, drink that without that. See what it tastes like. Oh, wow, it's amazing. Yeah, I told you. That's really good. It's going to produce life now. I want to talk today. Last week, I talked about the different levels of God's authority that he gives. He even gives unto man. 
He gives some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In rebellion, you can rebel against his word, but you can also rebel against those he gave authority to. And we talked last week about how even, even Israel murmured. They just spoke against Aaron and Moses, and God was against them. We saw that sin against God's leaders is sin against God. We don't like that. <laughs> we see that, that even husbands are given authority over their wives. Our, our, nowadays, we don't like that. Right? And our culture's done a whole lot to tear that down, to make husbands just big dummies. Right? Every TV show, the husband's just a big goof, and he doesn't, he's not, not worthy of respect or honor. But yet you go to a foreign country, and you see how the family and the children respect and honor the father. Go to Japan. See how they respect the father. Our kids are like, whatever, dad. And there the father holds, and we almost despise that. We're like, they're trying to control their kids. Bah. And yet this is the Bible actually says, no, no, no. The parents are to be honored by the children. But yet everything we watch on TV is to just destroy honor. And the Bible says that if you honor your mother and father, you will have a long life and it shall go well with you. Man, we want that, but we want it without honoring our parents. So I just showed last week just the different ways we, we may or may not realize we're actually in rebellion against God and against those he places in authority. I even talked about presidents and those things. Even how you speak. You might disagree with certain things, but instead of destroying with your mouth, pray for them. Instead of speaking death over them, pray for them. David didn't speak death over Saul, even though Saul was a wicked leader. He, he didn't. He wouldn't do it. And so pray for, for, that, for them instead of destroying with your mouth. This week I want to talk to you about what rebellion produces in your life. What it will do to you. Why it's so dangerous. This is one of the most dangerous things because what it does to you is like one of the worst things it can do, which is to make you blind. It'll make you blind to your actions. So you, 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 you do it, you rebel, and then all of a sudden it'll take you into an area, it'll take you down this road of sin, but you don't even know you're in sin because you've now been blinded because of rebellion. Rebellion blinds you. Because the, the Bible says, let's read it right now. It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that those minds who the God of this age has blinded. Who's the God of this age? Satan. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Now, Satan is blind. He rose up, it says in Isaiah chapter 11, that he rose up to, he says to himself, I'm going I'm to climb the mountain of God and sit on his throne. What is the most foolish thing ever? That the most powerful being in the universe, you would go and try to sit on his throne. And I got to say this. There, our culture likes to make you believe that there is a battle between God and Satan. There is no battle. Meaning there, there is no actual contention in the sense that God is like, Oh, you know, I got to take my vitamins because I'm in a battle and I want to make sure I'm strong against Satan. There's no, no competition. God permits Satan to be in the earth. He permits it. And in the end, the Bible says he will be finished permitting it and Satan will be bound forever. 
Listen, there is no competition. The Lord doesn't have to work out or take his vitamins to beat Satan. He'd do it in his sleep, okay? And the Lord never sleeps. So, so it's like, there is no competition. Now, we don't really, for many of us, we don't understand why God would permit Satan to be in the earth. Why would he permit that? Listen, God's not going to force anyone to love him. He will not. He will not force the angels. He will not force his creation, the physical beings, spiritual beings or physical beings. Both, the scripture says, both have had their own rebellions. Genesis 6, we have a rebellion of angels. Before that, there's a rebellion with Satan. He's in the garden in, in, in chapter um, 3. He's there speaking to Adam and Eve. There's already been a rebellion. The, the serpent, a seraphim, this is a spiritual being, is there speaking to Adam and Eve to lead them in rebellion as he already is in rebellion. Later in chapter 6, it says, the angels, the sons of God, rebelled against him. Okay, This is a rebellion in the spiritual realm. But Adam and Eve and the women in Genesis 6 go in rebellion as well. They join in the rebellion. So it's a spiritual and physical rebellion. God allows it. What? Why? I've said it many times. I cannot force my wife to love me. That's not love. Right? I can't just see her one day and go, ooh, me like. You, you mine. And just take her off and go, you will love me. That's not love. That's, that's human trafficking. That's not love. Okay? God is not going to do that. We want him to, because then, then our kids won't go, you know, rebel. They won't do anything. Just, God, just control us so that, no, it's not love. In the midst of all the temptation to go and, and worship something else, he'll let you. He knows who he is. He knows who he is. And this is what we try to teach young ladies here. If you know that you're beautiful, let a man who's worthy of your beauty, don't just give, you know, give yourself away. No, he'll wait. If you're worth it, he'll wait. Make him wait. If you know that you're beautiful, you know you're worth something, don't give yourself away as if you're cheap. You're not cheap. Make him wait. For after your wedding, if you can't wait, then he wasn't worthy either. Okay? So God, he's waiting. Who will choose me? I'll wait for those ones. And the Bible says that when he returns, it's going to be a wedding. That's why we, we're, the church is called the Bride of Christ. Revelation 19. The final sound of the trumpet is a celebration. Why? Because it says that the marriage of the Lamb has been made ready for the bride has prepared herself. The church has made herself ready for the return. So it's an imagery of God has to find an imagery that will make sense to you of how, what kind of love he has. The love of a father for a son is one imagery he gives. And the imagery of a husband for his wife is another. It's this intimacy that you can't give to a father and a son. That'd be weird. Uh, that's, that's twisted. We can't give that kind of imagery of that type of love. We go, oh, I understand father and son love. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, husband, that's a different type of intimacy. Not beyond sexual. We know this, right? Beyond sexual. We're not even talking about that. The connection that a husband and a wife can have is beyond. We're not talking about just sexual. We're talking beyond that. That's why we teach young people. The connection is more beautiful than just 
you giving in to your lustful desires is even more beautiful than that. So you can hold that. Let something else arise. Intimacy between you is more than just physical. Let that arise. And that's a beautiful part of why God makes you wait. So, so it blinds you, he says. I want to show you how one Satan, the Bible is already written. It's already known. At the end, Satan will rise again after being bound for a thousand years. And he'll rise. He'll, he'll take the sons of disobedience and rise up against the Lord once more. And with a word, they'll be destroyed. Once you see this. Jesus is on the earth at this point, been on the earth at that point for a thousand years. Okay, this is coming. This is the future. Jesus will return. Satan will be bound for a millennia, a thousand years, and then he will be released. God's releasing him, by the way. He doesn't have to. God thought this up. And then those who are still on the earth, even though Jesus spent a thousand years going over the earth telling people, hey, I'm the one, da, da, da. Remember the clouds and I rode down? That was cool, huh? Yeah, so I'm the son of God. I died and rode. You can still come and believe in me. And there'll still be people on the earth that who, who reject that, even though Jesus is in the flesh. Satan will be released. Those will go and be with Satan and come up against him. This is bizarre to me. They watched him ride clouds down, and they're like, let's fight him. I'm like, uh, I don't think we're going to win that one. I don't know what this one is, but I don't think we're going to win that fight. They still go and join with Satan and rise up, and it says with a word. A word, not two words. A word, they're destroyed. This is not like, oh, there's going to be a contention. They're going to battle and it'll be a wrestling. And hopefully Jesus wins. He's like finished and they're like dead. Satan will be bound forever at that point. The scriptures are already written. Satan knows the scriptures. So let's he already knows that and he's going to still try it. That's being blind. That's like me trying to fight someone. Someone's like, hey, let me show you a video. I got this video from the future. Show me. I get my butt absolutely, you know, beat. And I'm like, let's do it. No, I'm like, hey, uh, so I just want to say sorry for whatever we had. <laughs> I really like, you know, my bad and uh, have a good day. You know, here's my watch. You know, it's like, I don't want that fight. I, if I thought I could win, I would do it. But if it's already written, then I'm going to lose. And I know that God's always true to his word then why would I try it? That's how blind he is. When you join with Satan in rebellion, you, you, you are blinded as well, okay? I'm going to show you that several, two different people in the scriptures who were, belonged to the Lord, went contrary to the Lord, were blinded, didn't know they were contrary to the Lord, even though you and me read it, are like, how do you not know you're contrary? It's very clear reading this, because you're not the one who did it, and that's you're not the one who's blind. You can read it and go, yeah, 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 of course. How did they not know that? Yeah, because it blinds you. And this is my job is I'll meet with the disciples. I'll meet with the, the believers and I'll say, hey, you know, so this thing you're doing, that's not of God. Well, you know, I felt like God told me. No, he didn't. God's not going to go against his word. So that wasn't God. You heard a different voice. I'm not saying you didn't hear a different voice. Because there are different voices, but that wasn't the Lord. Because the Word of God says, and he won't go against it. Okay? So, so you'll see how both these people I'm going to show you have prophets that God sends to them to speak the truth to them, to correct them, and the difference of how they receive the correction. I'll show you this. Because you're in a family, and the church has been given parents, basically. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, 
to equip, to mature, to edify, to build up. That's what parents do with their children, right? Well, God's given parents to the church. And their job is to help you grow and to mature and to become like Jesus. And to do that, there are corrections. And so then, this is what I see in a lot of churches. The pastors will make themselves equal to the people. Basically make, oh, just, you know, hey, buddy. And just be the same. I don't, I do, and then we see it as humbling ourselves. So we want to humble ourselves and become just like. Well, now you're no longer a shepherd, you're a sheep. So then when the sheep tries to act like a shepherd to the other sheep, the sheep are like, I'm not following you. So the church is a mess. The pastor is not a sheep. He's a shepherd. He's supposed to say, no, 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 that's a cliff. Go this way. Hey, no, come this way. And this is parents do this. They want to be buddy-buddy with their kids. Yes, have a, have a connection, but understand the difference between being their friend and their parent. So then you're just friends. Now you bring correction. The kid's like, well, you, you did that. So th- we'll see that the difference between the respect and the honor these two men have for the Lord and the result of them being called out. First person is Saul. We see this, Saul's anointed king. We see that First um, Samuel chapter 15, he gets an assignment. He gets an assignment to, to do something. The Lord wants him to do something. The Lord says, I want you to go down to this people. Verse 3, you'll see it there. I want to go down to this people. And I want you to destroy them completely. And, and you can read why. It goes into the verses later, the verses why. He says that, that when Israel came out of, out of the house of bondage, out of Egypt, they attacked him. It also talks about how these people would offer their children to Baal. They made human sacrifices. They're killing their children. They're offering their children to demons. God is not pleased with these people, and he says, put them to an end. Okay? We don't like that, but God is serious about rebellion and about sin. He's like, put an end to it. So that's the, that, that's the command. All the livestock, everything. Nothing shall stay remaining. Destroy all of it. Goats, sheep, people, all of it. Put an end to this people, this rebellious, evil, wicked people. Put an end to them. Saul says, okay. And he, he, he goes. Verse 9, it says, um, Saul and the people spared Agag. This is the king that he was supposed to destroy. And the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So he's in rebellion. God said to destroy all of it, and he's like, well, we'll destroy some of it. Verse 11, God says, I greatly regret that I set Saul as king, for he has turned his back on following me. He has not performed my commands. In this grief, Samuel, this is the prophet of the day, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Verse 12, so Samuel rose early in the morning and he met Saul. It was told to Samuel to meet Saul and it was told to Samuel that Saul had went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Listen, last week I talked about the three main things that cause rebellion. Fear is often the root of it or pride or vainglory. Those three things are are usually at play when someone's in rebellion. 
So he, he, he's, he's um, already operating under vainglory. It says he went and he set a monument to himself. By the way, he's in rebellion. And he's like, you know what we need to do? We need a statue of me. That's what we need. That would be awesome, right? So people could see me because I'm amazing. In the midst of rebelling against the Lord. He's, he's thinking people should praise him because he's done something good even though he's in rebellion. It might not have, it probably wasn't a statue of himself, but in a sense, it's something to commemorate him and his victory, okay? They would see this monument and think of him. Saul, he's awesome. But then he's gone down and he's passed and he's gone to Gilgal. Verse 13, Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Ha, blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the command of the Lord. He's blind, isn't he? He's in rebellion See Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, and says, oh, you're blessed. You know the thing you told me to do? I've done it. He doesn't even know he's in rebellion. Verse 14, Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Samuel said, well, we've brought some of the Amalekites uh, the people, we spared some of their sheep and their oxen to sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Listen, he didn't even call it his God anymore. He says, the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. So what is he saying he's doing? He's doing it for the Lord. Oh, but we spared some, but it was for the, we were doing it for the Lord. You know how many people, I, I, I'll, I'll say, you know, they, they, they get together and they move in together. They're not married, but they move in together. And I said, what are you doing? Well, we heard the Lord. We're doing it for the Lord. We're saving money. Yeah, we're going to get married, but we're saving money. We're not sleeping together. I'm like, I was born yesterday. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. What's this bleeding of these goats? You know what I mean? It's like, Saul's like, I've done it. It's like, nah, you haven't. There's clear evidence. I'm going to move in with my, it's like, Someone was telling me that one time. They're telling me, well, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to, we're going to stay in separate rooms. Or we're going to live together. I said, I said, okay, let me tell you a story. Let me see if you can see, if I were to tell you a different story than the one you're telling me, but a story that's similar in the way of sin and see if you can see if it would be bad. Okay. So let me, and they're with me, Katie's with me. I said, okay, what if I were to tell Katie, Katie, the neighbor lady, whoo, I like her. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to sleep with her, but it's just, it's just purely physical. I, it, you know, I don't, I don't love her. It's just physical. What do you think? But the Lord told me. But the Lord told me, Katie. Don't you want me to be happy? How ridiculous. And the person looked at me and was like, so, so just like, it's just like, oh, I hate you, you know? And I go, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And they're like, oh, you know? And I said, okay, what the story you just told me was that ridiculous. You, we can see sin in other people, but we can't see it in ourselves because it blinds us. So Saul's like, I have done what the Lord told me to do. Samuel's like, what's this bleeding of the goats? Because he said, kill all the goats and the ox, and you got goats and ox. What's a sacrifice for the Lord? What does Samuel say? 
Does the Lord delight in sacrifice over obedience? No, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Don't tell me you're doing this for the Lord. No, the Lord says clearly in his word what pleases him. Don't do something contrary to the word of God and say the Lord told you. The Lord loves obedience over sacrifice. Samuel goes on to say, well, I went on this mission for the Lord. I have obeyed the Lord. And Saul has to call him out again. And, and Samuel has to call him out again. And Saul says, I have sinned. I feared the people and I listened to their voice. So Saul, Samuel has to call him out again. You see the need for God to give a leader to say, no, you're not telling the truth, Saul. And then he finally can see, he goes, yeah, you're right. I feared the people. What did I tell you? Fear, pride, vainglory. What does he say? I feared the people. You know what will safeguard you from rebellion? Fear the Lord. When you go to go, I'm going to move in with my girlfriend. If you fear the Lord, you'll go, nah, I'm not going to do that. Why? Well, rebellion, the hand of the Lord will be against you. There ain't nothing in this world that I want bad enough for the hand of the Lord to be against me. Nothing. The one who gives life and takes it away. I don't want him to be against me. I want him to give life. <laughs> okay. The Bible says we are vapor. That's what we are to the Lord. Here today and gone tomorrow. Why? Because he knows no beginning and he knows no end. This is the Lord. Everything else except him was created by him. He's the only thing that's never been created. Anything you can see with your eyes, it was only there because he willed it. This is who you're talking about. So to him, the, this, this, this story happened, might as well have happened yesterday. We got anyone in their 70s or older that's willing to admit it? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I was 12 years old and my dad's friend was over. It was actually my mom's ex-husband. They were like really good friends. And he says, man, the last 20 years has gone by fast. I'm 12. I'm like, no, it hasn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like 20 years. And now I think about friends and I'm like, I met Jared more than 20 years ago. I go, wait a second, what? No, that was yesterday. But how about God who's never known a beginning? David was yesterday. The cross was yesterday. How many of you, you got old enough where 10 years ago was like, like that was just yesterday. You got clothes that, that are hiding in places in your closet that haven't been washed in 10 years. You know what I mean? You're like, I gotta move some stuff around. I got shoes I haven't worn in 10 years. I just need to get rid of. You know what I mean? Come on, I'm not the only one. That's where that sock went. You know, it's like, I went in Katie's grandpa. He's 92. I went in his closet. I was like, when did he get these clothes? <laughs> these are old. <laughs> I was like, these things, the brown, like you got the polo shirt with the brown collar. I'm like, this is from the 70s for sure. And he, for him, he's like, that shirt's new. Don't be messed with that shirt. <laughs> right? So this is who we're talking about. A God who knows no beginning. 
Yeah, a thousand years ago was like yesterday. And, 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 and here's, here's, here's how we should treat someone like that. Reverence. That the only reason you can even come into relationship with him is because he sent his son to die for you. It's a God who created everything. Everything belongs to him, the Bible says. Whether they know it or not. It's all his. Because he made it. And he gives a command to Saul. And Saul goes, yeah, I've done it. Halfway, but you know. I... He goes, no, you haven't done it. To only do part of what I told you to do is to not do what I told you to do. We don't like that. To come to church, worship, it's very nice. And just live contrary to the Lord. And the Bible says, may it not be so with you. Bradford read that Ephesians 5, where he talks about this should not even be spoken amongst the saints, the things that are done in lawless. Expose them, it says. Don't leave them. Expose them so you can be free of it. Now, sometimes we need someone to tell us because we don't even know anymore because we've been in that rebellion so long. But let the reading of the word today, anything the Spirit's saying, oh, that's you in this area, say praise God and repent and move. And... But look what he does. Look what, what, what Samuel does. When Samuel calls him out and says, no, this is not true, Look, look at the difference between, look what he says. He says, Samuel said to, to, or Saul said to Samuel, this is verse 24. I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord in your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me. So he didn't honor the Lord, and yet he's wanting them to honor him. This is what we do. This is what I'm talking about. Look what he was afraid of. Look what he wanted honor for. Please, before the elders and the people and before Israel, return with me. He was more instilled about the people. He's still fearing the people. Oh, if you don't go down with me, they're not going to think you're with me. He's trying to keep face. He knows he sinned. I know I've dishonored the Lord, but honor me. Don't let the people know that I'm in rebellion. He's still worried about the people. Instead of getting low and saying, oh my God, you're right, I've sinned. What have I done? I've sinned against this gracious God who pulled me out of being nothing and made me king. Forgive me, Lord, what have I done? He doesn't do that. I've sinned. Hey, but when we go down the mountain, will you go with me so that people don't know? This is not a, that's not Repentance. Some people, they have remorse that they, 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 they've, it's more that the remorse that they got caught than it is that they've sinned. There's a difference. This is why it's important. Look what the Proverbs 17, 11 says will happen. He says, an evil man seeks only rebellion. God thinks rebellion is evil. Therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. That's a, that's, a, that's a spirit. A cruel messenger will be sent against him. We don't like to think that God would do that. Look what it says. Samuel, the next chapter of Samuel, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. This is verse 14. 
And it, it says, a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Where did it come from? Wow. And the servants of Saul said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. <laughs> I told you in the beginning, when you rebel, it says the hand of the Lord will be against you. We just want God to bless our rebellion and he won't do it. When, when Paul says to the church in Corinth, this person is sleeping with his, 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 his stepmom and you guys boast about it. He says, he says if you've corrected him, he won't change. Let Satan have him. Kick him out of the church. Let Satan have him that Christ might have him in the end, he says. What does that mean? That he might come aware. The veil might be taken off. Oh my gosh, what have I done? I've been kicked out. Oh, I need, to, I need to repent. So you won't repent by your correction. Then remove him from the saints. Let Satan have him, that Christ might have him in the end. Why would God send a spirit like this? To say, I'm not with you. You have left my grace. You've gone your own way. And you're wondering why you have these problems. People will tell me, oh, no, God told me. They're having a thousand issues in their life. And they're like, no, I'm in the favor of God. I'm like, it doesn't look like favor to me. It looks like calamity is what it looks like. But we can leave that. But we get so used to calamity that we think even when we come here and we obey the Lord, it's just going to be calamity because we have our trials. No, 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 no. That's not the truth. The Bible tells us what we will come against. People will speak this, these things. But when we talk about health and all those other things, we're not, we're not coming into that calamity of poverty and all that stuff. Saul had every, Paul had, in the New Testament, everything he needed to do the work of God. It's like, yeah, he was shipwrecked, he was all these things, and yet God continued to provide for him. So calamity just looked different. It looked like the resistance of the gospel. That's what it looked like. And yet... He continued to have strength even though he was resisted. I want to show you how blind Saul becomes. First Samuel chapter 19, he says to his son Jonathan and to all of his servants, he says that they should go kill David. He begins to pursue David. For about six chapters, he begins to pursue David to take David's life. An innocent, righteous man, he wants to take his life. And he thought he was bringing justice to a wicked man. No, he was the wicked one. And we see this when David cuts a part of his thing and says, hey, I, I don't know why you're pursuing me. I think you think I'm against you. I'm not. I could have just taken your life, but I didn't. I would never do that. And what does Saul say? Oh, you're right, David. I've sinned against you. He comes for a moment. He goes away, leaves David, and it's not very long later he tries to kill him again because he won't repent. Ultimately, the Bible says rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. I want to show you that it actually leads for, for Saul to witchcraft. Right? He inquires of the Lord. The Lord doesn't come, doesn't speak. 1 Samuel 28, verse 7, he says to his servant, Find a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, In fact, this, there is a woman, he, she's a medium at Indoor. So Saul disguised himself and he put on clo other clothes and he, and he went and two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said, please, 
conduct a census for me and bring up the, the one I say. Seance, sorry, seance. So he's, he actually literally goes to witchcraft. His rebellion literally leads him to witchcraft. Okay, I want to show you a different person now. David. David is not, not perfect. But David ends up rebelling against the Lord. But the response of David is different than the response of Saul. Okay. 2 Samuel chapter 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel to destroy the people of Ammon. Okay. But David remained in Jerusalem. I want you to see that first part of the verse. It happened in the spring of the year, the times that who go to war? Who's the king at the time? And David stayed where? In Jerusalem, at his house. In the time that kings go to war, David, king, did not go to war. <laughs> Do you catch it? The scripture says that when the people asked Samuel for a king, God says, they're rejecting me, but tell these people, I will give them a king. And they expect him to go and fight for them. He's going to send them to fight for him. Instead of him to go fight for them, these men will do the opposite. And the Lord says, I was supposed to be your king. I went in and fought for you. And then the, the kind of the curse of them asking God for a wicked thing like a king, instead of him being their king, is that instead of going to war for them, he would send them to war for him. The Lord doesn't, this isn't a, the Lord saying this is a good thing. The Lord saying this is a bad thing. So David's doing a bad thing here. And it says, then it happened, or just so happened one evening that David arose from his bed. He walked on the roof of the king's house, and from his roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent to inquire of the woman, and someone said, isn't this Bathsheba, the, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So, so listen, he, he's not wondering if this lady's single and able to mingle. She is not. She's the wife of Uriah. She's married. Well, who's Uriah? Uriah is one of David's mighty men. This means David knows Uriah. This is like one of his boys. Uriah was with him in the wilderness, defended him when Saul was trying to kill him all those years. They lived together, them and their families. David knows Uriah. It's like one of his groomsmen. Like, this is one of his guys. There's only like 28 or so mighty men. This isn't like he has a thousand of these guys. There's only a handful of these men that it says they could slay a thousand by themselves. Like, these are some bad mamba jambas that David has, and he's close with them. So when he says, isn't this the wife of Uriah? He's not like, who's Uriah? He's like, I know who Uriah is. That's my guy. Does that stop David? No, because he's blind. He's in rebellion already, so he's blind. So what does he say? Bring her here to me. And he sleeps with her. Gets her pregnant. She comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh. So now he has to cover it up. He doesn't repent. He tries to cover it up. Why? He's blind. 
So he calls Uriah from the battlefield and says, hey, buddy, how you doing? Just wanted a battle update. How's it going? Yeah, battle's good. Oh, good, 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 good. Oh, good to hear. That's all I wanted to know. Hey, yeah, go home and be with your wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, man. And Uriah's like, I'm not going to go home and be with my wife while all the men of Israel are in tents in the fields. So he sleeps on the floor right there. He wouldn't leave. David's like, okay, dang it. Next day, he's like, oh, Uriah, hey, before you go, let's just kind of have a meal and like hang out a little bit. You know, I haven't seen each other in a while. Hey, here's some alcohol. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Ah, another one. Come on. Until he's drunk. Why? He's hoping now he'll say, go home and be with your wife, and he'll go, yeah, that's a good idea. So that no one will know that Uriah didn't get her pregnant and David did, right? That's what he's hoping. So Uriah says, no, even after being a little tipsy, he's not going home. So David says, all right. Hey, I got this letter I want you to bring to Joab. Hey, Joab, kill Uriah. <laughs> it's not how it says, but, he, but what he wanted. Put him in the front of the lines, go into the heat of battle, and pull away the army right in front of and let him die. And that's what happens. And what does God do? Sends him a prophet. He says, hey, David. Nathan, how you doing? I'm good. I want to tell you a story real quick. There's this guy, got a bunch of sheep. There's this guy who has one sheep. Guy with a bunch of sheep has someone coming to town. He wants to feed his friends. And so instead of taking his sheep, he takes this guy who only has one sheep he loved. He took it from him and killed it and fed it to his friends. David's like, David's blind. Can't see. Bring that man here. Justice will be served. You're that man, David. You have all these wives and you took Uriah's one life. David's like, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, both Saul knew he sinned, and David knew they sinned. The difference between the two of them. Saul says, hey, go down with me so no one knows. What does David do? Laments. We see it in the Psalms. David repents. Lord, I've sinned against you. Forgive me, Lord. And he cries out to the Lord. He, says, he even says, I have sinned against you and you alone. Meaning, yes, it was a sin against Uriah. But a sin against your eyes, a sin against you. I have sinned against you, Lord. Forgive me. And he laments before the Lord. See the difference? Instead of, hey, Nathan, I know what happened, but can you not tell anyone? I don't want this in the tabloids tomorrow. Can you keep that on DL? He doesn't do that, does he? He, it's exposed. It's in the scriptures. He just, and the Lord restores him. The baby dies. Bathsheba hears her husband's dead. She mourns. David calls, marries her, has a son, and it says the Lord was with Solomon, that son, and that son became king. That son is part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is the mercy of God. So God is merciful and gracious, but when we repent, this is the importance of us having the truth of the word of God sometimes in a way that makes us, oh, I don't like it, hurts so good. <laughs> so we can repent and we can walk right. The difference is the fear of the Lord. That's the difference. If you don't fear the Lord, you don't think there's anything, yeah, I'm doing that, but 
Who's the Lord to tell me what's right and wrong? He's the Lord. <laughs> One day, everyone will be raised from the dead. Do you know that? Not just, not just the righteous. Everyone will be pulled and brought before the Lord. And they will stand before his throne. And he will judge them. Everyone. And the righteous will be rewarded. And the wicked will be condemned. This is his position. You can say, I don't believe it. One day you'll stand before that throne. And you'll go, oh my gosh. This is true. Oh my goodness. This is a bad day. <laughs> I should have heeded the word of the Lord. You should have. You should have. There are things in your life that are trying to get you to do things that are contrary to the word of God. And it feels to you right to do it. It felt right for David to sleep with Bathsheba. Was it right? No. This is why it's so deceiving. It'll feel right to do it. When a man wants to sleep with a man, the Bible says that shall never happen. When a woman wants to sleep with a woman, the Bible says that should never happen. But what does our culture say? It feels so right. I was, I've, I've felt this way since I was born. And I'm not saying that you haven't. I'm saying the Lord says, don't do it. Listen, it doesn't have to be male on male or women. When I met Katie, and before I met Katie, I, I, I like girls. I don't, I don't, you know. If I were to give in to, before marriage, still sin. But it feels so right. Yeah. I have testosterone pumping through my veins. And at 17 years old, it was saying, do whatever seems good to you. Do whatever seems right in your heart. Go do it. And I'm like, okay. Is it right? It feels right. Everything inside of me says it's right. Their girl that I'm saying, how you doing? She thinks it's right. Is it right? The Lord says it's not right. See how subtle it's, but it feels right. The Lord doesn't care if it feels right. He says it's not right. So sin will do this. Let's read what uh, Bradford read and one will pray. Therefore, this is Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Wait, what? Who are we supposed to imitate? Not, not, not do the, what the culture says. When I was a kid, it's changed so much in the last 25 years, 30 years. I can't even believe how much our culture's changed. I remember the first time I watched someone wear skinny jeans. I was like, what is this guy wearing? I was so confused by it. I was like, this guy has girl pants on. I was so confused. I was so confused. He's like, no, it's, it helps me skateboard. I was like, we used to wear big pants to skateboard. Now they're wearing little pants to skateboard. I'm so confused. So, and, and just something so funny and kind of subtle like that has become so normal, right? And we just see things where, where, where certain sin, people wouldn't talk about it. Now, open and funny and okay to just talk about. So it, 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 sin is becoming more and more um, okay. 
How many have lived long enough to see that? Right? If you were, would they said, Leave it to Beaver was the first time a bathroom was on TV. And people were upset. It was just to show a bathroom. People were upset. Nowadays, what is on TV? A bathroom. No one's thinking of bathroom. You can show all kinds of things. No one's offended. They're glad. They're like, oh, I didn't know this was going to have that. This is nice, you know. Back then, they said, oh, my gosh, these sinners. Now it's just been okay. Slowly. It's a slow progression. And we begin to imitate our culture and not even know we're imitating our culture. Who are we supposed to imitate? Imitate God as children, it says. Verse 2, walk in love as Christ also loved us, and he gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talk or coarse joking which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not... Be partakers with them, for you were once dark. You were once darkness, um, darkened, darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what, finding out. This is what I was telling you. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest in the light, therefore he says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, for Christ will give you light. See then that you walk um, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dis, um, deception, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. goes on, okay? Expose these things. Don't be fooled. Find out what pleases the Lord and do that. Imitate God. This is what I'm saying. Amen? So let's just take a second. I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to bring to your mind any area. This is what happens. We can't even see it. The reading the word will do it, right? So if anything already has been provoked in you, like, ooh, I'm doing that. I'm on that list that's like, don't do that list. That's my actions. We have an advocate in Christ Jesus. This is the good news. You have an advocate in Christ Jesus. It's not to condemn you. It's to convict you so that you can come in to the favor of the Lord. Amen? 
So I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to bring anything. If you didn't already have something through the reading of the word that came to your mind, we're going to ask Holy Spirit to bring something to our mind. Any area of our lives that he would remove the veil that Satan has blinded us by our disobedience and he would show us our, 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 our folly, our sin, so that we can repent. Amen? Areas of our lives that we're going contrary to the Lord, whether we're disrespect or dishonor of leaders, maybe that, but a dishonor and disrespect in a, in a, in a dis, disregard of his word in any area. Holy Spirit, I ask that right now across this room and to those who are watching online, that you would speak to them, remove any veil. If there be any area of their life that is walking contrary to you or to your word, or there's dishonor of leaders that you've placed in their life, expose it now. Bring it to their mind. Convict them that we may be purified. We ask that you do it now. So whatever the Lord has now brought to your mind, we're just going to take a second. The Bible says that we should confess our sins. This is that whole bringing it into the light. And then repent. Amen? It's very simple. We have an advocate in Christ Jesus. We don't have to stay condemned. When our sin is exposed, we don't have to feel, oh, no, he's, oh, thank goodness, Lord, for showing me my error. Forgive me, Lord. Amen? So go ahead and say, whatever it is that the Lord brought to your mind of an error in your life and in your behavior and in your, in your actions, to just confess it to the Lord. Just say, whatever it is, say, Lord, I confess that I have sinned against you in this way. Just take a second and do that. And say, but today I choose to repent. I renounce these actions and I ask that the grace of God be given to me to walk right before you. I ask that your blood, Jesus, would wash away those sins. Give me wisdom Give me might that I may walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. I ask it in Jesus' name. And I say, deliver me, Lord, from any unclean spirit that has been sent my way because of my rebellion. Deliver me. Deliver my family. In Jesus' name. I get the ministry team to come forward. Sometimes there's these, that spirit that comes to. Oftentimes, that I had a young girl who was here. She was like 13 years old. She started cutting her hair like a boy, and she said, "I just, I, 
I like, I like girls now. And she says, but I just, I'm tormented. And so I said, oh, let me pray for you. Prayed for her. I had no strength. It was after the second service. It must have been done something that week. I don't know, but I was exhausted. So I was kind of like, Lord, deliver. <laughs> Let her through repentance and all that. I hear back later. She says, yeah, I don't have anything inside of me telling me to do that anymore. She was growing her hair out. She was being tormented, telling her to like, to like the same sex, to talk to people online that agreed with her. And, and she said, oh, that's gone. I said, Jesus. But the same type of thing is happening. For some of you, you don't want to smoke anymore. You don't want to drink anymore. You don't want to gossip anymore. You don't want to lust anymore. You don't want to watch those things anymore. You don't want to do these certain things. You don't want them anymore. But for some reason, you can't stop. Listen, the Lord is not domineering. Unclean spirits are. So there's spiritual things that will work against you and prompt you to go, to think certain ways, to, to, to uh, until you give in. That's a spirit. And you need freedom, okay? So if that's you, I want to make the altar available for you to receive prayer, to say, yeah, no, I repented, but I'm, I, I don't know. It might, it's hard for me to have hope that I'm going to be able to be free because I've tried this before. You probably need deliverance, okay? You probably need deliverance. And it's not a big deal. It's just, I rebuke this thing that's coming against them, leave them now. Okay? It's, not a, it's not a big deal. It's not an ordeal. Usually not the case, okay? It's just a spirit spiritual being us saying to a spiritual we have greater authority loose them and leave them now amen this thing that prompts them let them go okay so that's you i want you to come forward a couple words of knowledge um you said a neck headaches because of pain that's coming but you feel it in your neck and it's causing headaches if you want um if that's you you receive prayer over here uh, arthritis. I'm just hearing the Lord say, someone here, you have pain in your hands. It's arthritis. The Lord wants to heal you today. If you want to come forward to, to one of these guys, they'll pray for you. Anyone else on the team with word of knowledge? When, when, when Tom was just saying, like, you want to quit smoking or, or watching things online, I really felt like, like there was, like, something on that of... of uh, if you struggle with tobacco addiction in any form, whether smoking or chewing or anything like that, that's been a, a struggle with you or you've you've had victories and, and backslidings in it, I feel like that like the Lord wants to deliver you today from any addiction like that. Yeah, I'm hearing suicidal thoughts as well. Something that's telling you, it'd be better if you just took your life. That's a devil. Uh, uh, the Lord made you on purpose for a purpose. He has a purpose for your life. This thing is lying to you. It needs to be removed from your life. Come forward. We want to pray for you. Maybe you're that young girl like that young girl. You have thoughts about the same sex or you have thoughts to do perverse things. And you, it just comes out of nowhere. You can't help it. It feels so natural because it's attacked you for so long. If that's you, I want you to come forward. If you have any injury at all in your body and you want prayer for healing, we would love to pray for you. Okay, so now if there begins to be a line and someone's not available, make sure we get the availability, but you can just wait. The rest of you can stand up. I want to pray a blessing over you. Remember, tomorrow, Sozo Night, William Hen.
flying in from Texas. He's amazing, wonderful man of God, powerful, powerful man of God. I'm very honored to have him with us tomorrow night, 7 o'clock for um, the, the body, 6 o'clock for the students of the School of Ministry. Lift up your hands. I want to pray a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lead you by his spirit and fill you with his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I encourage you to spend time this week. Just anything the Lord spoke to you to make sure you bring it before the Lord and that you, 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 you spend time this week to, to be right with him in those areas. God bless you.